Welcome back to Ballistic Chronicles. This is Gary Lewis. I'm your host. Here's where we talk about rifles and ammunition and big game hunts, mostly around the West. So that's what I've been doing lately. And I've been on the road, been stuck in airports and drove halfway across the country, been out on a antelope hunt. So we're going to get caught up on a lot of things. First, there's a few things in the news we've got to cover. So first is this one out of Canada, story out of Alberta. Dad captures the moment that a 43-stone bear breaks into family home and sits on son's chair. Well, I don't know how much 43 stone is, but when I read another version of this story, they said that the bear weighed 602 pounds. Well, you can bet that if a bear breaks into your house, the the first thing you're looking for is not the bathroom scale. And who's got a bathroom scale that goes to 600 pounds anyway? So I think what this is, is it's just the typical way that we measure bears is we we pick a number and then we go with it. <laughs> so this was no 600-pound bear. We've got a picture of it. It's coming out of the house, walking out of the house like a nice bear. You can see it looks like it's coming out of the laundry room. And um, it's a big bear, no doubt about it, but it's probably 300 pounds is what I would guess. Anyway, the bear came in through an open bedroom window on October 4th. The homeowner said he was cleaning up his garden because a bear had made a mess after knocking over the garbage bins the night before. And then the dog started barking and he thought that maybe the bear was cornered near the garage. But what he found is that the bear was not phased at all by the dogs and um, it went right in through the bedroom window. It went into the garage. It got some dog food. It ate some things out of the freezer. And then it went into one of the kids' rooms and sat on the computer chair, broke the uh, computer monitor. And they accidentally locked it in one of the bedrooms because they thought that the window was open there that the bear might get out that way, but the window wasn't open. Um, so what they, they ended up using um, some bear spray to maybe um, encourage the bear out of the house. The bear in the picture is just walking out like it is done and it's moving on to its next adventure. But anyway, that's a good story out of Canada. Another story, this one's out of Cantwell, Alaska, and this happened last Tuesday. A guy was riding his bike on a gravel bar on the Jack River, and this bear starts chasing him. If you can picture that, he must have been pedaling pretty fast by that time, and he said the bear took a swipe at him, and just he said the bear basically just touched me with its teeth, so he got out of that one. That's a good thing. And um, what I've been doing, I've been maybe the biggest hunt of the year was my antelope hunt out in the desert in southeast Oregon. And we had four antelope tags 
there were four of us with tags. There were six of us on the hunt, including my dad and uh, Troy Rodakowski's dad, Terry, who didn't have a tag. My, it was my daughter, myself, my friend Winfield, and Troy Rodakowski, who is an outdoor writer. And we all had tags. It's hard to draw. We managed to get these four tags for four hunters. And my daughter, Michaela, and I built a couple of muzzleloaders for this hunt. Michaela, 24 years old, she built her own muzzleloader. It was a kit. And it was the Traditions Deer Hunter Kit, 50 caliber gun, short barrel, a pretty lightweight gun for a 50 caliber octagonal barrel. And she got her kit put together. She did a nice job on it. It came out nice and shiny. I built one just like it and I gave it to Winfield and he put another, he put a butt pad on it so that it could lengthen the pull and make it so that it would fit him better. And we had scouted, I had been out in the desert a couple days and Winfield had scouted a couple of days and Troy and his dad had scouted a couple of days with me. So we knew where to find animals. We knew where to find water holes, which is the key because this um, summer we had a drought like we haven't had in my lifetime and it brutally hot sometimes and just weeks and weeks went by without rain and if we did get some rain it had been a short thunderstorm that really didn't do much in the way of replenishing water holes and the water hole that I had found had a big buck using it and the time that I that I'd been there the first time on a scouting trip I saw a buck with 16 does and some smaller bucks in the group and that's the buck that we went after and first day of the hunt I get out there with my daughter and we put up a pop-up blind that my dad had brought along and I've heard people talk about how you can use a pop-up blind and the antelope won't pay any attention to it. And I really didn't believe that, but I wanted to believe it. And so we set up the blind and we kind of brushed it in a little bit by putting some sagebrush around it that I cut with some loppers and tied the sagebrush to the blind. And we'd been in the blind for two or three hours in the morning and a doe walks into view. And so here we are out on a pan in the desert. It's shaping up to be a warm day and the wind is right for us from where we expected the animals to come from. And we've got a berm on our left as we're viewing the water hole just to the right. We've got a berm on the left that's keeping us from seeing very far in the direction where we expected the animals from. And here comes a doe into view, and she's right at about 120 yards. And what we expected was for the antelope to come around that berm 
or from behind us. And if they would come down to water, then they would be within 100 yards, which we determined was our best uh, chance to, uh, to get a shot was at 100 yards. And that would be about the maximum distance that we would want to shoot with the muzzle loaders. Now, for my particular gun, I was using a 54 caliber um, Lyman trade rifle that I've used a lot. And I'm pretty confident with that gun. And I've made shots and connected out to 100 yards with it. So what happens is this doe walks out, looks at the water, and then looks at our blind, and she stops. And then three more antelope come into view, and they're all shooter bucks. And they've been fighting each other all morning, apparently, over this doe. She's probably coming into heat. And she was coming to water, and they followed her in. And so the biggest buck of all, he looks straight at our blind, and he walks toward us, and he, and he stops at about 110 yards just looking straight at us. He's just boring holes into this blind with his eyes, just trying to figure out what we are. And it just didn't seem like the shot that I wanted my daughter to take with, with that muzzle loader that she had just built. Now, I got to say, my daughter, Michaela, this is my youngest daughter, she has killed 14 big game animals by the age of 24. So at this point, she's a veteran hunter, but she has never shot one with a muzzle loader before and she built this gun she has two trips to the range under her belt shooting this gun so she doesn't have a very high confidence level at all she knows she can hit a target uh, but there were times when the gun didn't go off and she she just didn't have the confidence level in herself in the gun in the situation, and I didn't want to tell her to shoot when this buck is looking straight on at us. And it whirls around, and it runs out across the pan, and immediately these bucks start fighting again, and we watched them fight out across the pan and out into the sagebrush, and everywhere that the doe went, these three bucks went, and then they would, one would drive the other off, and then the other, another one would circle in. And I'm sure they got it all worked out eventually, but we didn't see the end of that. But I was just disgusted because I didn't expect it to be that easy. So we packed up the blind and we walked back to the truck. We'd parked the truck about a quarter mile away behind a little butte so it was out of sight from the water source from the pan and we put it back in the truck and hunted elsewhere for the rest of the day and in the morning I had a new plan we got back to the pan and I brought my loppers my garden shears along and I clipped as much sagebrush as I could hold and carry. And 
I brought it out to the pan, and we moved our blind location right up as close to the end of the berm as we could, so that we would be right there where the antelope had stepped out the day before. We would be 40 yards away. And I took an old board that I found there that was probably a 2 by 12 that had been laying there at the water hole, and it was all bleached by the sun. It was the same color as the alkali soil of the pan, and I propped it up using the jawbones of a wild horse. So I took one jawbone, and I set it on one end of the board, and I set the other jawbone on the other end of the board to keep it propped up, and then I laid the sagebrush against the front of the board, then showed Michaela where I wanted her to sit behind the board. Then I took a rib from this wild horse that we'd found there at the waterhole, and I stuck it in the mud at the water's edge, and I took a paper towel out of my pocket, and I speared it on that horse rib so that that white paper towel would lift and move with the wind. And we had a wind that day of two or three miles an hour, so it would just lift that little piece of paper and it would drop back down, it would lift again and drop back down. And my idea was that if an animal came around that berm, the first thing it would see would be that little piece of paper flapping in the wind, and it would stop and look at that. So we sat down behind the berm. Michaela sat cross-legged, and she had two books that she was reading. She was reading a Louis L'Amour Western called Guns of the Timberlands. And I had brought brought both these books for her because she didn't realize that the kind of hunting we were going to do, we were going to be sitting in one place. She hasn't hunted like this before. It's always been spot and stock before. And now she's she's reading Guns of the Timberland, and she's reading a book called The Law by Frederick Bastiat. And I recommend this book. I read it when I was her age, back when I was 24. It was published in 1850, written in 1848 by a Frenchman named Frederick Bastiat. And he's talking about the rise of communism, and what a free-thinking individual um, should be aware of. And it's a small book. It's the kind of book that if you had two days in a hunting blind, you could read the whole thing. And Michaela is sitting there reading these books, and I'm laying over on my shoulder, and I'm watching the pan while she's reading the book. And I'm just so proud of her because here she's reading this book that was foundational for me and the and my ways of thinking. I'm so proud of her because she's sitting there. She's got this muzzle loader across her lap. She's all dressed in camo. She's 24 years old. It's a rare thing in this life to be hunting with your kids and to have someone enjoy it to the same degree that you do and share it with you. And so I'm 
watching for an animal to come and looking at the clock from time to time. I try not to look at the time while I'm in the blind. I try to just let time go on around me and enjoy every moment to the extent that I can. But from time to time, I look at, at the clock and I'm looking at checking my phone. I have it set on airplane mode so that um, it's not running the battery down. And I see we've been in the blind for about four hours. And this buck comes walking right around the edge of the berm. And he stops and he stares at that horse rib with that little piece of paper flapping on it. And then he looks right over at the blind. And in my mind, in this moment, everything is... is summed up as I'm looking at his body language. I take it all in at a glance. His body language, his posture. He's the lead buck of what turned out to be a herd of seven um, does. I'm positive he's the same buck that I spotted the month before. And I know we've only got two seconds to make something happen here. Michaela is not aware that there's a buck in front of us. She is engrossed in reading the law. And I said, Michaela, kill that buck. And she dropped the book and swept the gun up. Now she shoots left-handed because she's left-eye dominant. She's right-handed, but left-eye dominant. And she's she sweeps this gun up to her shoulder. She's cocked it and fired all in one motion. And that buck fell right out of its tracks. The ball, the 275 grain, 50 caliber conical just struck that animal right in the spine and knocked him right out of his tracks. I couldn't believe it. There's a little puff of white smoke between us and that buck is laying over there on his side. She has just killed this huge antelope at 41 yards and seven other antelope go streaming away. These all does running across the pan, kind of make a little semi half circle as they spin around and look back over their shoulders and we are stunned. I fall right over onto my back and looking up at the sky, thanking God for this. And then I remembered, oh, hey, we got we to gotta reload. So I said, Michaela, reload. And she sweeps out the powder and pours it down the barrel and she puts a conical on and seats it with the ball starter and, and whips the ball down and seats it against the powder and takes out a cap and pinches it on faster than I could even explain it. And she's ready in case she has to take another shot. Because sometimes the animals get up and you need to shoot them again. But she killed uh, just this tremendous buck that will be way up in the muzzleloader record book, the NMLRA or the Oregon 
record book, depending on where we decide to enter it. And we haven't had it scored yet, but we think it's going to score between 72 and 73. And I was just so proud of her. 12 years that she had applied for this tag or applied for an antelope tag, looked forward to hunting antelope 12 years before we had the opportunity because it takes that long in our state. We just don't have a lot of antelope. And the Department of Fish and Wildlife, they manage our um, tag numbers for the number of hunters that uh, want to hunt antelope. And we just don't get to do it all, all that often. So just super proud of her. She was super proud of herself. And we were able to drive the truck out on the pan to the downed antelope lay a tarp down next to it. Now we're we're approaching 85 degrees at this point and it's going to be hotter. And so we get a tarp down on the ground next to the antelope. We've got a cooler with ice in it there already. We pull on our plastic gloves and then we go ahead and gut out the animal and um, separate it into its component parts, get it into coolers. And we did it all very quickly. And as as we were finishing up, um, taking this antelope apart, I think Michaela's adrenaline finally ran out and she could, she stood up and she almost passed out from heat stroke. And so I had her go sit in the truck and she turned on the air conditioning and relaxed and got her uh, wits back about her. And then we were able to put the head in the truck and we drove out to the little town of Paisley, got a burger, showed off the um, head to our friends and some and people in town there. And it was just the highlight of a hunter's year for me. Because this is Ballistic Chronicles, we got to talk about the gun and the load. So it's a traditions deer hunter that she was using. Uh, it's got a short barrel. It is a very easy to carry gun, light, and not like probably any other muzzleloader that you've hunted with. But it is not the most accurate gun out there. And if you're looking to build a, a gun, ask yourself what it is you're going to use it for. I, I really like this gun as a shooter it wouldn't be my choice to take on a desert mule deer hunt for sure and if i was going to be hunting from a tree stand and my shots were going to be close oh yeah yeah this would be a good choice for that and so i could see it as a white tail hunting gun or um anytime you're hunting from a tree stand or when the shots are going to be close um, out to 50 yards, 60 yards maximum. And that's really what I saw this gun as, was effective range, 75 yards. And um, Michaela had been a bow hunter before. She, she knew that uh, she could handle close range opportunities as she's taken animals at long range with centerfire rifle. But it's funny, when this hunt was over, she didn't say she wanted to hunt 
with a muzzle loader again. I could bet you that uh, this would probably be the last time she takes this gun on a hunt. It's going to go on the wall, and it's going to go right next to the head of her trophy antelope, and it's going to be one of those memories that is going to last her a lifetime, and she's going to go back to shooting a centerfire rifle again, I guarantee it. If you like what we're doing here at Ballistic Chronicles, go on over to GaryLewisOutdoors.com. You can read articles there. You can check out our books and check out our coffee, Frontier Roast, and Fishing Central Oregon Reserve Roast. Check out our new book, Bob Nosler, Born Ballistic. It's a hardback. We're proud of this one. It tells the story of the second generation of Nosler Incorporated and this company that has brought us premium bullets since 1948. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.